Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod, on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Gildridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who was never really academically enhanced. Kyle Carpenter. <laughs> Kyle, how are you? I, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, it was Dean's List, at least two semesters at UT. I'll, I'll take that. Um, no, I, I, if there were incentives, <laughs> I'm sure I would have done even more. Uh, the, I'll, just a quick aside. Uh, as, as an alumni, I've mentioned on this podcast of the Teos Club, we had a, 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 a thinker award that went to the person with the highest GPA increase in the semester, which I always thought was kind of counterintuitive because <laughs> like, if you're at a 4.0, you never win in that thing because you can't have the up. But there was a semester in which I was the social chair of that organization as well as a Newman in Texas Cowboys and also like taking a pretty tough course load, and it dipped and then I had like a point GPA raise. Like I went from a whatever it was, like a, like a like a three to a four, or let's call it a two eight to a three eight, whatever it was. Um, and so I won that award. And when my parents came to the house, I said, "Look, I've won an award. I was a thinker." Uh, I don't know if I ever explained that to them. So, mom, if you're listening to this, uh, yeah, there was there was a tough semester, but we all rebounded. We graduated. We got jobs. Maybe we're we're thriving years later. My lack of academic enhancement is actually why I'm here today. Gerald was a science major. He was a a uh, chemistry killed me killed my gpa and uh decided you know what i don't want to do this anymore i, I don't want to take those courses so i took math for non-majors mm. and then i ended up as a as a, a journalism major and never took a math class again it was great but we're not here <laughs> to discuss the fact that former texas offensive lineman adam ulitoski very much got a better grade in calc than i did <laughs> We're here to talk about the Kansas State Wildcats. The Longhorns looking for their fifth win of the season to snap a six-game losing streak to end the season off with at least a win, send the seniors out with a victory. Taking on Kansas State, who is a good team this year, but will be without a quarterback, Skylar Thompson. We're not sure necessarily, 100% for sure, but it looks like it's he's listed as kind of a day-to-day doubtful situation. But throughout the year, they've been, they've been a Really good team, uh, averaging four points per attempt or four points per opportunity. They're number 21 in the country in offensive efficiency, number 36 in the country in points per drive, number 35 in the country in yards per play. Defensively, they're number 25 in the country in defensive efficiency, 42nd in the country in points per drive, and 15th in the country in yards per play. So they're a good team. And Kyle, I, I think it's, I'm curious to see how this works out for. Kansas State being without Thompson uh, technically, and they're in a position where they can uh, build some momentum going into an offseason that they really need some. Yeah, from from off the top, right? They are a better offense when they have him and have him healthy. The past couple weeks since he came back from his original injury, he's been a little bit of a limited version of himself without the ability to scramble, right? He's a quarterback who can do some things with his arm, but he's most deadly when he's a dual threat and can kind of uh, can freestyle a bit and get out of the pocket. Um, they they did a thing that Texas didn't do, which was two weeks ago they beat Kansas, uh, but they did lose. <laughs> they did lose to uh, Baylor. But they beat West Virginia. So, again, 
Before that Baylor loss, they beat Kansas and West Virginia, two things that we've seen Texas not do right off the jump. This is a team that basically like they're going to score points besides the Baylor game. They've, you know, that was the first time they hadn't been at least 20 all year, but they have never broken 40, I don't believe. So they're kind of right in that wheelhouse of they they are an offense and a team that can put up some points, but by god, they're not going to go crazy, okay? Just don't you know, just uh, have a nice, easy, okay, <laughs> 20 to 40 is okay. You know, like a Midwestern, just don't want to be too pretentious, right? And that, I mean, that is Kansas State in its in its history. They are in, they are a good offense, and, and, and we'll talk a little in detail about it, but they have a really, 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 really good running back, uh, which gives me a bit of nightmares knowing what our <laughs> run defense has been. Um, but, again, if – Will Howard is kind of the listed backup. There's some young guys and some other players who've been been named. But if it's a Will Howard uh, offense, then it's a little bit more one-dimensional. It's a little bit less scary, again, with the caveat that they have a running back who can get loose uh, Darren Sproles 2.0 at, at any given time. So it is still uh, an offense that I think you should be worried about. But if you can know what they do and then stop it, uh, which not everyone has been able to do, certainly, uh, in, in Texas repeatedly, uh, then this, you know, it, I, I don't think there's going to be a ton of surprises is what I'll say from their offense this this week. Yeah, that's, that's the thing about Kansas State from – Basically, time immemorial, they're not really going to surprise you a ton. They're just going to do it without making mistakes. They're just going to do it as flawlessly as they can and try to beat you into submission. And that's honestly what kind of scares me about this game the most is that their offensive line is good and Deuce Vaughn is really good. And so there's an opportunity for Deuce Vaughn, who is you know, again, the Big 12 is like the league of running backs, so it's hard to really say like who's what because you've got seven running backs that could start at most schools in the country. So like it's it's terrifying for me to see a guy like Deuce Vaughn behind an offensive line that's giving up just you know is creating three and a half almost line yards per rush. Like that's a big number. That's terrifying for a Texas run defense that has not really shown much much chutzpah much <laughs> throughout the season thus far. Just go ahead and say it, Jared, a league of extraordinary running backs. That's a Photoshop waiting to happen if any of our listeners want to Photoshop that and then send it to us. But, yes, this is a league of extraordinary running backs. Deuce Vaughn is over 1,000 yards already, actually well over at 190 carries. He's at 11-15 coming into this game with 14 touchdowns. But, again, like we talked about with Bijan, that only is part of the equation. Uh, a good chunk of their passing offense will go through Deuce Vaughn as well. He has 45 catches for just under 500 yards and three more touchdowns there is a guy who is their ultimate playmaker they have one uh, other receiver we'll talk about maybe two who who you know are considered probably dangerous playmakers uh, but but he is the guy in every facet of the game that they want to get the ball in his hands and let him run and let him do things and uh, yeah they, they will find creative ways to do it they aren't um, you know gonna triple reverse pass a ton but they will they will find different ways and be consistent like the Greg Popovich adage of pounding the rock right you keep pounding it and eventually that that stone will break and and they will do that they will keep giving the ball to deuce you know inside outside screen pass wheel routes leak outs he's gonna have the ball in his hands very often and he's only about five one five two maybe five three if he's wearing you know platform cleats uh <laughs> but he is as slippery and shaky as a running back there is in the country and that's not an exaggeration to say that there i mean it's like trying to trying to jump in the lake and, and come out with a handful of water 
Yeah, and you mentioned Vaughn as a, as a passing threat. Outside of Skylar Thompson, he has been used percentage-wise on passing plays the most on the team. Like Outside of the quarterback who's throwing the ball every passing down, he's at almost 20% usage in the passing game. And so he is absolutely somebody that will run on the backfield. He leads the team in, in touchdown receptions. Like He's a guy who will make a ton of plays for them. And again, it's terrifying to see that because Texas has not to this point shown me that they have the ability to stop a ground attack. They are one of already the worst running defenses in school history, and they have a, an opportunity on Saturday or uh, have an opportunity on Friday to end up in the bottom five, which is not necessarily where you want to be. Uh, again, behind that offensive line, that's not giving up a ton of, of tackles for loss, not a ton of stops uh, stops for no game. So that's that's the way the offense flows through. Now, if you can stop Vaughn, if you can get him bottled up behind the line, then Kansas State's not really going to beat you through the air. They're exceedingly average on the pass. Um, they've just got a 28% success rate on passing downs, basically those downs where you know they're going to pass. Um, but they are, when they do complete them, and probably uh, because of Deuce Vaughn's ability and probably Phillip Brooks as well, um, they're rather explosive on those pass plays. On uh, They're up, up above one and a half, 1.6 uh, points per successful play, uh, passing play. So that's a rather explosive outing there. But again, Thompson is hurt. A lot of what they do is is created through his feet and so you mentioned will howard got an got one interception and one touchdown on his uh 21 completions on um, the other guy uh jaron lewis uh is 12 of 23 for 154 uh, a touchdown and two interceptions on the year so they're not world beaters by any stretch of the imagination because it's a kansas state quarterback so you're not expecting that especially from your backup will howard is a, is a player who i think they they the reason that there's even a question of whether he'll be the guy uh, is because he's played four games and they didn't bring him in when, when uh, Skyler went down in the end of their last game because, and Kleiman said they didn't necessarily want to burn his red shirt. Uh, they see him as a guy who might potentially, you know, be a quarterback of the future for them. Uh, he's a sophomore currently. Um, this would be his red shirt year if they were able to, to keep him shirted, but uh, it, it will be, Interesting if that's some gamesmanship from Kleiman because if they care about winning the game, becoming bowl eligible, uh, this will be this will kind of is a must win. So I would be I'd be surprised if he doesn't play actually because he, he's kind of the guy of the future anyway. So it's like I mean, are they going to keep him for three more years versus two two more years? But he. The thing with him that that's interesting is you mentioned he has one interception on the year. He is a bit more turnover prone kind of historically than that. Last year he did play. I think he was one of the only freshmen in the Big 12 to start seven games again with an injury uh, to to the current starter. Uh, but he in that time frame had eight touchdowns to ten interceptions. Right. So he is a guy who's turnover prone, and if he plays, that will be something to watch for the Texas defense because. Again, they'll try to run the ball, but if Texas can get them in passing situations, it, it will be a noticeable step down from Jared Diggy, and I'll, that's all I'll say on the matter. Um, <laughs> you know, so take that for what you will, because he was also quite a turnover machine. So again, as Gerald says, the cure for the common offense. But I do think that again, if he's the quarterback and he's the guy slinging it, and they have to throw it twenty. 25 30 times and that's good for texas and that should be good for you know some defensive backs who need some some uh you know some holiday cheer uh in their life so hopefully they can make some plays on those on those passes if the pete Kwiatkowski defense is 
optimize, which we've seen it happen in flashes this year, uh, then that's a good proposition for them. But if you're giving up 19 yards on a third and 18, uh, then it's definitely not going to work out in your favor because third downs, they're, they're not, a, they're not exceedingly, um, they're not world beaters. They're 55 of 124 on the year. So about 44.3%. So they're not converting at a high clip, but again, Texas, this year has just been absolutely atrocious over this last stretch on getting teams off the field. They'll get you in a passing down and then they'll let somebody who shouldn't beat you on that type of play beat you on that type of play. So again, those are the things that I'm watching. Like can Texas show any sort of growth in this game defensively to give us a semblance of hope heading into a long off season. And as we mentioned before, sometimes it's just the fact that they give up so many rushing yards that may have controlled, uh, but they are, throughout the season relatively have fared well if anything uh, against true wide receiver number ones they have taken away the guy who you know was the leading receiver by leaps and bounds on teams uh you know Tyquan Thornton with Baylor uh, as a comma for for Texas Tag um really Mims on a couple jump balls for OU uh is the outlier but for the most part they've taken away wide receiver number one. So it's interesting with Kansas State because Phillip Brooks is their leading receiver with 36 catches for 465 yards and two touchdowns. But Malik Knowles is for sure their their home run threat and has been for a couple years. 25 catches for 389 and two touchdowns. Malik Knowles is a little bit more, scares me just a little bit more. Again, Phillip Brooks is, is a fine receiver. But Malik Knowles is the guy who has a little bit of game breaking, a little bit of take the top off. And so it'll be curious if Will Howard can can set his feet, make an accurate throw, and he's got an arm and get it down deep if that – uh, if Malik Knowles is the target of any of those, the the third kind of receiver to know is uh, is Daniel and one of my favorite last names. Um, I believe the the kids are calling it. Uh, I made her Hebe. <clears throat> is that correct, Joe? I, that's that's what you should go with. Yeah, I think that's what the kids say. Is I made her Hebe. Uh, anyways, <laughs> he is twenty catches for two seventy nine and two touchdowns. So um, while Texas has one guy with a whole bunch of catches and then a couple other guys, kind of Kansas State has a couple guys with a couple catches there isn't uh, a surefire one uh, and I don't even know if if Malik Knowles though a good receiver is the talent uh, that it, some of the big 12 have for their number one but uh, it, nonetheless I think uh, if you have seven guys eight guys with their eyes on Deuce Vaughn watch out because all it takes is is one double route or one you know go route and Malik Knowles has the speed and, and I think Philip Brooks can beat some people so if they can if they can get their passing attack going there's a little bit of weapon there but again I, I really think the defense will go as far as they stop Austin area product uh Deuce Vaughn coach Zy- coach Zycek got to to Cedar Ridge right after he left and he said that the just like venerated tones that people <laughs> speak about Deuce Vaughn's high school tape is just absurd absurd and unseemly and and you know it, it's it's not quite Tavon Austin but it is it is pretty close it'll be fun to, to see how it works out for him and how it works out for Texas because I'm still terrified that a tiny running back from Kansas State's going to run all over Texas because we've never seen that happen before. It wouldn't be Kansas State preview if we didn't talk about the Wildcats defense. Again, we mentioned off the top, uh, they're a solid defense, especially in in the Big 12, number 25 in the country, defensive efficiency. Kind of led by a pair of linebackers and Daniel Green and Cody uh, Cody Fletcher. Daniel Green isn't just a tackle machine. He, he's the team's leading tackler. Uh, he's also second on the team in tackles for loss uh, at 12 and a half. So he's a guy, he's a playmaker. He's somebody that you have to keep an eye on. And Kansas State is... 
I mean, they're solid. There's no other way to describe their defense. They're just right in the 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 lower top third in most of your your critical defensive statistics, and it's a little concerning because we've got confirmation, or at least reports from uh, Chip Brown that Hudson Card will not be playing this week. So Casey Thompson with a messed up thumb or uh, the ballot of Ben Ballard will, will happen on Saturday. So that's a scary proposition, especially with a running back room that's still missing B. John Robinson, that's still uh, probably going to be missing Jonathan Brooks. So Keelan and Roshan will have to lead from the ground and hopefully not put Casey in position uh, to have to win the game with a bum hand. Yeah, and this is Gerald – even if they win this game, I guess there is an outsized chance that they can make a bowl with five and seven, and and we'll see. But l- let's forget that, right? It's the last game of the season, senior night, playing Kansas State, who, if nothing else, the best thing Tom Herman ever did was relinquish the the the, the fear that came with playing a Kansas State team uh, in, in previous regimes. But uh, this is the triple B, Gerald. I think we all know what that stands for. This is the Ben Ballard Bowl. Um, this is the big one. Uh, quadruple B if you want the big Ben Ballard Bowl. I mean, I hope T- Thompson is healthy and can play. I hope Hudson Card is healthier than is reported. But if all those things fail, we're about to see a a, a Howard versus Ballard uh, epic ballad uh, in the Triple B or Quadruple B Big Ben Ballard Bowl. But anyways, I, I do think that, that both teams will, will be looking to run the ball. So this might be a two-and-a-half-hour game if they just – decide that you know each team is going to throw to their speedster on the outside like seven to ten times and then run it 43 times um this could be a quick game and i don't know that kansas state would be upset with that uh we'll see the way that texas offensive line looked in quarters two three and four against a really good west virginia front gives me some hope we've talked about in this podcast if you're still here with us and you're still listening to this and you are looking for those signs of hope the the development in the in the past few games of of the offensive line is one of those signs of hope right we talked about how historically bad they were at the beginning of the season like that arkansas game I, I just don't know if I've seen a, a group of five people be, you know, just whipped that that absolute badly and, and with that much uh, ease since, you know, I don't know, insert Game of Thrones reference. But uh, it, it, it's it's they have made some strides. And if they can get Keelan Robinson sprung, you know that he has a big play potential. If they can get Roshan a few rush yards before contact, you know that he's going to fight for more, right? You know that this running attack has although not right now depth because of some injuries has some 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 bite to it and so i think this is a good test for the offensive line for guys who have heard all kinds of things all year about you know how terrible they are and 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 every this way and the other i think this is a chance for them to to come out have a little nasty have a little pride have a little home uh game and 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 do some things. And so I kind of am cautiously optimistic about our, our running attack. And then again, that's not anything to say about Daniel green, the tackling machine. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't, as much as Texas has struggled with elite edge rushers, I don't want to give a chance for, for again, I keep getting the good names, but Felix, uh, Anandike Uzoma, um, who is, uh, leading the team with 14 and a half tackles for loss, but also has 11 sacks. If you saw what the lesser Kansas team did, with an edge rusher just whipping our tackles uh, a couple weeks ago, um, I think you know the more we run it and the the less we let that you know edge rusher kind of pin his ears back and just try to 
bull rush or, or speed rush or, or stunt or, or tackle, uh, the better it is. So run the ball heavy, let that work, and whoever the quarterback is, allow a play action or a double move and single coverage against Xavier Worthy, and you know those are the things that poetry is written about. Yeah, but I think the the thing that terrifies me, and you you just mentioned it, is watching uh, Felix like. We're going to call him FAU. Felix Anduike Uzoma is what we're going with, but uh, the the leading tackle for loss in Sacker on the uh, Wildcats. He's got 11 on the year, so basically won a game. So that means that he'll probably have two to two and a half against Texas. (laughs) Um, But, like, that's the thing that that worries me is – with the way Texas has been playing, and, and the offensive line has progressed. We've got, to, we've got to talk about that. But they've progressed more so against the run than they have the pass. Sure. Um, they're still, they've still gotten better against the pass, and that's why I think Hudson made the leap that he did last week, and it's a shame that uh, he, got, he came away with a high ankle sprain on a dirty freaking hit, but that's another mm-hmm. conversation for another day. But like that's the thing that worries me is you've got a quarterback who's not throwing well. You've got an offensive line that has been – exposed for lack of a better term by pass rushers and so that's the matchup that's got my eyes going wide on on friday is that like can the texas edges whether it's uh christian jones whether it's andre carrick whoever it is can they hold up against uh fau on the edge trying to trying to take take the quarterback out yeah and and gerald the way that texas was beat against west virginia if you summed it down to a single thesis line item was West Virginia was allowed to convert on third downs and they did it quite easily. Texas looked as though they were on Ben Ballard's backup trying to convert third downs. (laughs) It looked like they were on their seventh string. They were woefully bad. This is a Kansas state defense. that's pretty good on third downs. They give up about under 40%, about 39.7%. Pretty good. Not, not, world beating elite but but solid and so can texas rise to the occasion and convert 40 45 50 percent of their third down sustain some drives move the chains move the ball not be three and out not force dicker to be our best player we did that with dixon we don't need it with dicker um and and do some things and and then again the red zone where you saw the past two weeks texas has not made a red zone stop and they've given up a lot of to to Kansas and West Virginia teams that weren't necessarily elite at that statistic. A lot of touchdowns. This is a defense that is going to, they've given up 22 touchdowns and 35 trips. They've given up uh, 10 additional field goals to that. So they're, they're good. Not, not elite necessarily as a red zone unit. Can Texas make red zone stops and make capitalize themselves in the red zone. And it, Watching that again, I think this is going to be a relatively close game, and I think that might uh, one of those things, third downs or red zone, may be what ultimately uh, tips the scales. I mean, that's always what it's going to be for Texas. And Kyle, I want you to talk about uh, the special teams. That always that always tickles you. So I want to, I want your take on the special teams. Absolutely. Um, so, and though Snyder no longer coaches there and also last year along with every texas player his son uh sean snyder eventually took his first non-kansas state job of his life and went to usc uh this still has snyder special teams magic written all over it i just it, playing kansas state that's always something you need to to worry about again that snyder built this with 
thumbtacks, duct tape, and and one stars, you know, into a winning program. And a lot of that was playing all three of the phases equally hard and, and again, was a special team savant. Um, so they are dangerous. I think they are a, a team with, like, again, I mentioned Malik Knowles. Um, I believe last year the they edged out uh, Jameson with uh, it was Baylor, the three best returners. It was Baylor, UT, and it was Kansas State uh, with what they could do. They have had, I believe, a 100-yard return this year. Um, so they it is something to watch. Texas has been very good on special teams. Again, one of the best in the nation at blocking uh, punts. Dicker hasn't missed since Hudson Card stopped being the holder. Dicker's been an elite punter. They've covered really well. They're honestly one of the best net punting teams in the country. So uh, they do a lot of things. But Ty Zettner will, will be their punter. 34 punts averaging just under 45, 54 kickoffs more than half of those for, for touchbacks. Don't be surprised with a crazy onside kick if they get the chance for it. Like, they want to win this game. Um, the average starting field position for them, theirs is 32. They're allowing 28, so they're used to having a little better field position. I, I think, again, those things really matter for a Kansas State team, those hidden yards, the penalties, the special teams, the punts, the kicks. Um, I expect them to be sound in this. If Texas can win this, then, then you know, it, you know, let Jeff Banks get a second, you know, support monkey, like because he's he's doing a great <laughs> job. And this is the the toughest one of the year. We talked about Baylor, you know, winning a stealing a game on special teams, but you know, this will be an area to watch. If this is a close game, I will be a little bit nervous because again, Kansas State on special teams is always one of the most dangerous teams, not just in the conference but in the country. I mean, that's who Kansas State is. That's who they are and who they are going to be. So, Kyle, it's time. For our final Podstradamus predictions of the 2021 college football season. Now, it's working a little differently this week because, well, I am currently down three. So you're going to go for two. I'm going to go for three and see if we can, at best, end this with a tie. I love giving you this opportunity, Joe. And because of the spirit of that, I say we do a snake ish draft where you go one <laughs> i'll go you go two i'll go and then you wrap us up with three so please start us off gerald Wait, that's that's not how a snake draft works kyle you would go and then i would go twice and then you would that's not that's not how who said anything about a snake draft it's fine so my <laughs> my first pod stradamus prediction is that xavier worthy goes for a buck 25 on the day kansas state is a little bit exposed explosively on the passing side of things they've got um a relatively high or giving up a relatively high uh, explosivity number on there so i think worthy has an opportunity to to break out and get out so i think x is going to go for a buck 25 i love it we had a hundred yard rusher in keelan robinson uh last week and so i'm going to uh, come out and say it. I think Texas will rush for over 165 yards as a team against Whoa. Kansas State, which is a good, a good number for you to to potentially you know get all three here, Gerald. I'm 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 trying to play along. To, I want this to be a, a good fight. I appreciate that. I do. So my second, I am banking on Skylar Thompson not playing, and so if they have to pass, even with Skylar Thompson playing, they don't pass a whole lot. But I think that Texas is going to come away with one interception. I'm not going to go to one interception specifically in this game. All right, very nice. I think on the other side of the ball, I went with rushing yards, Texas 165. You have to add the inflation of Texas's defense. <laughs> you just have to. Um, I think Texas holding them under 200 yards is a win. So Texas defense giving up less than 200 yards rushing. 
Uh, you know what, okay. Gerald? You know what? In the spirit, in the spirit of making it fair, less than one eighty-five. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. All right. And my final Podstradamus pick of the year, Kyle. Final Podstradamus pick of the year is that Texas allows fewer than two sacks in the game. All right. I love this. We're, we're leaning heavy on the, the offensive line to have a step-up game. I love that. Let's let the big fellas feast. So Texas less than two sacks. We'll work it backwards. Texas, one interception on defense, and X going to give it to you for 125 yards uh, through the air for Texas. Are your three? Yep. And, and I will be looking at the rushing game. Less than 185 for Kansas, more than 165 for Texas. All right, Joe, let's wrap it up quickly as we folks are listening to this on a turkey day, maybe watching the Cowboys or something. Uh, we don't want this to go too long, so let's skip ahead to some Godzilla-tron. Joe, what have you been watching on your giant screen? Uh, so my wife and I have been hitting the the streaming series that are dropping. Uh, we watched The Wheel of Time, which is very um, – it's kind of Game of Thronesy ish what they're going for a lot of political in a lot of they're doing the political intrigue they're not dialing it up super high but it is pretty evident in the in the the narrative it's changed a bit from the book so if you're a book person and you don't like that then i'm sorry now i i'm gonna say i put this out there on twitter and i'm gonna say this here the first episode is not good i was watching it and i was like this sucks and i'm very disappointed by it and i was like i'll give them one more they put out the first three and so i was like i'll give them one more since they're there and i've never seen such a large jump in quality from episode to episode as I did from episode one to episode two. Like my wife was completely out on the show after episode one. She was, she was doing that thing that, that good partners do that they're like, I know you want to watch it, so we'll continue to watch it together. And then she was totally <laughs> in after episode two just because it was so much better. The pacing was better. The acting was better. They didn't do as much of the special effecty stuff that they were having to blow through their CGI budget for. And so it looked better. It was a better show. So I'm, I'm pretty all in on it. And then uh, literally right before you and I recorded, my wife and I watched the first two episodes of the Hawkeye series on Disney Plus, and just so good. It's uh, not only is like Jeremy Renner just absolutely one of the most underrated actors that we've seen in the last several years. Like I just love him, uh, but like it's based on one of, or it's not based on, but it's like influenced by uh, one of my favorite runs of Hawkeye comics ever called My Life as a Weapon, where it's just like Hawkeye wanting to not do superhero stuff and just through a series of unfortunate events, he has to like dive back into this and it's annoying to him and he's just like annoyed and grumpy the whole time and I absolutely love it. So uh, the first two episodes, again, they're doing a lot of the setup uh so it's a little bit slower but um Haley stanfield's great as kate bishop so she's introduced and they're very clearly like leaning into like a young avengers thing gonna happen in the next couple of years so i'm very excited for it having a good time watching hawkeye interesting to think gerald that hawkeyes would would start out really slowly if uh if they somehow only managed to give up like 13 points and and uh <laughs> run 12 plays in an episode then uh, no that's an iowa uh joke but no um it, do you know about Jeremy Renner's his real passion? Why he does the acting to fund his house flipping business, which is where he really—that's <laughs> a real thing. Jeremy Renner, yeah. that man loves to flip a house far more than he loves collecting Marvel checks, and I, I respect uh, the hustle for for Mr. Renner. I remember in like 2016 when I read that headline, I was like, "This is unreal! What a guy!" Anyways, Gerald, I was so excited to come on this very podcast and talk about this very topic with you on my giant screen. I have not 
that's not true. I did finish Fargo. I'm going to save that for next week. We're going to talk about it because it deserves to clear the paint a little bit. But I'm going to I'm going to solo this one and talk about Mass Effect. The 15th anniversary uh, is next year, I believe. It just recently was the 14th anniversary, and I was like, Gerald won't let me live if I go 15 whole years from the release of <laughs> Mass Effect 1 without finishing my first playthrough of one of Gerald's all-time favorite games. And let me say 14 years later, Mass Effect n- number one, no, I'm not talking two or three here, um, held up really well. The story, I think, just, it, it doesn't, it can it can play at any time in any galaxy, any planet. Uh, but it, it is it is uh, a, a drama, well well written, well conceived, and you are well immersed in it if you dive in and 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 just unabashedly do all the side missions, explore all the side planets, get to know all the different races and their intergalactic politics. There is it is a rich tome and it is interesting and it is a really cool, unique world. And I understand now why you and other friends have raved about it. And I sat on the sidelines saying, nerds. Um, but I understand <laughs> now why you were. It's very cool. Um I'm not typically the world's biggest sci-fi guy. Like a well-known fact about me is I've seen the original three Star Wars plus uh, the new uh, Solo movie. Um, weird mix uh, of, of four Star Wars t- to consume. But anyways, I uh, that's not necessarily my bag, and I still enjoyed this immensely. Something about the POV action of being the main character, uh, Lieutenant Shepard. Um, but <laughs> Gerald, I just got to like a key crux moment for those who know what I'm talking about and haven't turned this off. Um, I played <laughs> a mission uh, that that affects the major trajectory of the game, and I won't give spoilers for a 14-year-old game. Maybe I will. I don't know. Uh, called Vermeer, um, where you go to a distant planet and chase the big bad um, to a, a particular place, and it is like a choose-your-own-adventure novel, but where it has implications for not only this game, but game two and game three as I understand it as well um and I had to make tough decisions and I felt it I felt like yeah the stress of making a decision do I save this person versus this person do I send this person over here or over here do I let these prisoners out or let them stay like it just felt like at every turn there was a lot of decisions and it felt like they had weight for a 14 year old minus two now console version it's an xbox 360 game um you know to carry that weight just felt really cool really impactful like after i finished it like i had to set the controller down and just kind of like <sighs> and yeah it is immensely enjoyable one of my just favorite video game experiences i've had i i had never had a game like affect me that way until that point like I, I was sitting in my apartment in Austin. It was like 07 or something dumb like that. Uh, and I remember like like you, I, I was I had a moment I was like, wait, they didn't just like they didn't just blow somebody up, did they? Like that that didn't just happen. Um, and they completely did and it locks you out of like a complete character for the next two games. And so it's complete it's wild to me. Uh, but yeah, it's one of my all-time favorites if you're a gamer and you haven't played it, get yourself together. That's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Lemon parties for all.